<clears throat> well, if you're here last week, Pastor Steve talked about the fact that God has a love language. That was an excellent sermon. God does have a love language, and his love language is obedience. But what we're going to talk about in this series is who gets the last word in our lives. See, marriage, that's just funny. But in lives, who gets the last word in our lives? Who gets that final statement? I want to do this from Colossians chapter 2. Grab your Bibles. If you have your notes out, back of the bulletin, today I want to take a look at three basic concepts about lordship. Now, basic concepts. So this is going to be a review for some of you, and I know it as I start. But I want us all to get on the same page, and then I'm going to take this further in the next three weeks. But I want to make sure everybody in the room is on the same page when it comes to who gets the last word in our lives. Who really is Lord? Are you there with me in Colossians chapter 2, verse 6? So then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. Very direct about this. He says, so then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord. Here we go, number one. Everyone's, everyone's spiritual life begins with a two-part decision. Everyone's spiritual life, everyone's spiritual life begins with a two-part decision. You say, well, Pastor McNeil, I've always been saved. No. I've always been a Christian. No. It doesn't work that way. The Christian life has a beginning. Just as you received Jesus Christ as Lord, there's a starting place in the Christian life. And everyone's spiritual life, everyone's Christian life begins the same way. It begins with a two-part spiritual decision. And it's, it's so radical. For somebody here who would say, well, I've always been a Christian... The Bible says this decision is so radical, it's called the new birth. It's called being born again. Now, two-part decision. Here we go. Number one, we have to decide to put our faith in Jesus as our Savior. We have to decide to put our faith in Jesus as our Savior. But, but what does that mean, to put our faith in Jesus as our Savior? Well, there's three steps in it, and they're kind of easy to remember because they begin with A, B, C. It's just kind of like the start of the alphabet. It's the start of this, this decision. This decision to put our faith in Jesus as Savior has three steps. You have to crowd this into your notes there if you're doing it on the back of the bulletin. Number one, we have to admit we have a sin and self-problem. We have to admit that we have a sin and self-problem. Now, from here on, I'm going to use a bunch of verses, and I didn't think we could take time to look them all up, so we're going to throw them up on the screen. We have to admit that we have a sin and self problem. You see that in Romans 3.23. For we all have sinned. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Everybody sinned. Everybody in this room. Everybody in the world. 
and we can't match up to what God wants us to do. We fall short of bringing the glory to God. You say, well, maybe I have sinned, but I'm not as bad as everybody else. That could be true. That could be true. But James takes care of that for us. James says, whoever keeps the whole law and yet stumbles at just one point is guilty of breaking all of it. That is, God doesn't care about degrees. He, he just cares that we all understand that we're all sinners. And it doesn't really matter to which degree. Now, why do we sin? Why do we do these things that God doesn't want us to do? Well, because of selfishness. That's why. In Isaiah 53, it says, We all like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way. We went our own way. And, and because of that, because of that desire, that, that thing inside us that says, no one's telling me what to do. You're not the boss of me. Because of that inside us, it drives us away from God and away from God's standards. And we do what we want to do. And it has devastating results. This, this selfishness that's driven us all to be sinners. Everybody in this room is selfish and a sinner. Everyone. The person talking and everyone listening. And the devastating result of it is, it's talked about in Isaiah 59. Your iniquities have separated you from your God and your sins have hidden his face from you so that he will not hear. Sin puts a wall between us and God. It causes a separation. And it has to be punished. Sin is like a crime in that way. It has to be punished. So Romans 6 says the wages of sin, the payment for sin, the penalty of sin is death. Because we're selfish, we sin and it leaves us separated from God deserving punishment, which is death, and ultimate death is separation from God forever in a place the Bible calls hell. This is the condition every person in this room and every person in the world finds themselves in. But do you see the hope in this verse too? The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. There, there's hope, and that leads us to that second step the second step of this first part of our decision. We have to admit that we have a sin and self problem. And then number two, B, we have to believe that Jesus can solve the problem. This is what it means to put our faith in Jesus as our Savior. We have to believe that Jesus can solve the problem. This is why he came to die. That's what Romans chapter 5 says to us. God demonstrated his own love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Turn to the person next to you and say, Christ died for me. Yes, he did. Christ died for me. He died for you. He died for us. Why? Because we have a sin problem and the payment of sin is death. And that's what Jesus Christ was doing. He was dying our death. We have to believe that. We have to admit that we have a sin and self problem. And then we have to believe that Jesus can solve it. And he did solve it by dying in our place on the cross. And that leads us to the third step, the letter C. We must choose to ask God to forgive us. We must choose to ask God to forgive us. In 1 John 1, it says, If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just and will forgive our sins 
We have to confess them, though. In Proverbs 28, it says, whoever conceals their sins does not prosper. If, if we try to act like this isn't true of us, we'll, we'll never make it with God. Whoever conceals their sins does not prosper, but the one who confesses and renounces them finds mercy. This is the first part of that two-part decision. We have to put our faith in Jesus Christ. That means, A, we have to admit that we have a sin and self problem. B, we have to believe that Jesus can solve the problem, and he did solve it by dying for us. And C, we have to choose to ask him to forgive us. I've talked to quite a few people about spiritual things over the years, and here's what I've found. I've found that almost everybody that I talk to, not everyone, but almost everyone, has done the first part. The first of the two-part decisions they've done. So I talk to people, and I talk to them about this right here, and perhaps you have too, and they say, I've done that. That is, they've gone to God and asked to be forgiven. But something's missing. Something's missing. You say, why doesn't it work for me? Because it's not a one-part decision, it's a two-part decision. And it's the second part that's often missing. The second part of the decision is to follow Jesus as the Lord of our lives. Number one, we have to put our faith in Jesus as our Savior. And number two, we have to decide to follow Jesus as the Lord of our life. Now, Lord means unquestioned authority. He gets the last word. In our lives, Jesus as Lord, he gets the last word. He's the unquestioned authority. You say, that sounds like a boss. Even more than that, it's a master. Lord, supreme authority. Now, many people haven't seen this in the Bible but it's there. One of the more familiar verses that includes this concept is Romans chapter 10, verse 9. If you declare with your mouth Jesus as Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. There's two pieces. Do you see that in here? You have to declare Jesus as Lord and you have to believe something. Yes, we have to believe that Jesus is the answer to our sin problem. We have to ask him to save us. But there is this other side. We have to confess Jesus as Lord. Now, interestingly, this also has three steps to it, three pieces to the puzzle, and I'm just going to give them to you right off the top. We have to repent, we have to turn, and we have to obey. We have to repent, turn, and obey. Let me show it to you in the Bible. In Acts chapter 3, it says, Repent then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out and that times of refreshing may come from the Lord. We have to repent. It says it clearly. Repent just means to change our mind. You say, well, what do I have to change my mind about? That everything's okay. I, I'm on the right path. See, everybody's turned and they're gone their own way. And at some point, we have to come to the, way, to come to the place where we realize the path we're on is not the right path. And then it's obvious what the second step is. We have to turn. That's why he says repent and turn to God. 
we, we have to turn. We have to change directions. Why? Because we've been doing it our way. I've been doing it my way, and now I have to go God's way. I've been doing what I want, and now I have to do what God wants. I remember it like it was yesterday. I had a man in my house. He's 45 years old. He's in my living room, and I'm explaining this to him. And he says, let me see if I get this right. I'm 45 years old, and I've done life my own way. I've, I've done what I wanted to, and you're telling me I've been wrong. And I have to now change completely. And I thought, yeah, that's exactly what I'm saying. And I was a little nervous. I'm just telling you, I was young. I was a little nervous, and I said, yeah, you got it. That's exactly what I'm saying. And I'm waiting for the blow-up, and he goes, I'm not sure I like that. And then I knew he was really thinking it through. Because I don't really like it that I don't get to go my own way either. Little honesty quiz. Do any of you like, not like it that you can't go your own way? Let me see your hands. You don't like it either. Oh, some of you are saints and you just love to do everything God says. He says, forgive those people that are unforgivable and you think, great. He says, be kind to everybody and you say, great. He says, be patient with that, that driver who's poking along. And you just say, great. Well, I don't say great inside. I have something else to say inside. This 45-year-old man says to me, you're saying I've I've been going the wrong way and now I have to change and do it completely differently and I have to do exactly what God says from here on. That is exactly what I'm saying. I'm just building off of Pastor Steve's sermon from last week. God's love language is obedience. The essence of lordship is obedience. That's why he said in Luke 6, 46, why do you call me Lord, Lord? Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and you do not do what I say? The essence of lordship is obedience. Am I going to do it my way or God's way? Who gets the last word in my life? Now here we are. Everyone's spiritual life begins the same way. Everyone's. Everyone's spiritual life begins with a two-part decision. One, to put our faith in Jesus as our Savior. Ask him to forgive us because he died in our place. And two, we have to make a decision to follow Jesus as Lord. That's not all there is to lordship. There's a second basic concept I want us to get today. Here we go. The second one is Everyone's spiritual journey requires a lifestyle of obedience. Everyone's spiritual journey requires a lifestyle of obedience. That is, everyone's, everyone's Christian life has a beginning, but it also has a journey. Now, some of you have already closed your Bible, I know that, but we started in Colossians 2. Can I read it again for you? Colossians 2, chapter, Colossians 2, verse 6. So then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live in him. 
That is, there is a beginning and there's something we have to continue. Yes. There's a decision and a journey. And I want you to see this clearly in the Bible. And I want to do it by showing you the words of Jesus in Matthew chapter 7. In Matthew chapter 7, Jesus says, Enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. But small is the gate, and narrow the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. Now, I just want you to get two parts of this, and I highlighted the words so that you couldn't miss it on the screen. Does everybody see that there's both a gate and a road? Do you all see this? There's a gate and a road, which means this. Number one, there's an entrance requirement. You have to go through the gate. You have to enter. He says that. You have to enter at the gate. Well, that gate is the two-part decision. That's point one in my sermon. To go through the gate, everyone's spiritual life begins the same way. You go through the gate by making this two-part decision. Number one, you have to put your faith in Jesus as your Savior. You have to ask him to forgive you. And I wonder if you've done that. And then you have to decide, choose to follow Jesus as the Lord of your life. And I wonder if you made that decision too. Did you? Young person in the room, did you make that decision or did you just pray and ask Jesus to forgive you? To come into your heart? Because that's not enough. Did you actually decide? You're 15 years old. Did you actually decide that I'm going to do what Jesus says? He gets the last word in my life. Whatever he says, that's what I'm doing. Everybody gets in the same way. There's an entrance requirement. But, number two, there's also a lifestyle requirement. That is, there's a path, a road, and we have to walk down it. In fact, in Colossians chapter 2, it says this, So then, just as you receive Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live in him. But the word live is not there. It's not the word live. It's the word walk. Just as you've received Jesus Christ as Lord, just as you made the decision to follow Jesus as Christ as Lord, now we have to walk down the path. We have to walk down the path. So, let's assume there's a gate right here. And then there is this path. Now, to get onto the gate, get onto the road, I have to do what? You have to go through the gate. You say, well, you can climb over. Well, it's a high gate. <laughs> You're with me. To get on the path, I have to go through the gate. Let's suppose I go through this gate. Do I get on that path? No, you don't. It, it, this, isn't, this isn't rocket science. That's why Jesus says even a child can get it. If I go through this gate, I end up on this path, but not that path. Let's suppose I go through the gate. I open it, step through. How do you do that? You put your faith in Jesus as your Savior, and you ask him to forgive you from your sins, and you make a decision. What's the decision? To follow Jesus down the path as the Lord of your life. 
you have to go through the gate and you have to go down the path. Now let's suppose this. Let's suppose I open this gate. I do it by making that decision. But once I get through the gate, I take a look and I think, I don't really want to do what Jesus says about money. I don't really want to do what Jesus says about marriage. I don't really want to do what Jesus says about relationships. Let's suppose we look at what Jesus actually says and we think, I don't want to do it. I don't want to stay pure. I want to sleep with my boyfriend. We decide we don't want to do what Jesus says. That is, we make a decision to go down the path, but we don't actually go down the path. We go down this path. Will we get to the end of that path if we go down this path? And the answer is no. We will not. Now this is pretty important, and here's why. Because the sound booth, the sound booth is heaven. I really thought there'd be it'd be better crowd there than that, but now I I go through the gate, I make the decision, but now I have to walk down the path. And if do I end up at heaven if I go down this path? Well, I don't end up there. A lot of people believe that becoming a Christian is a decision. It's a decision only, but they're mistaken. A decision is just to open the gate and step through. But Christianity is both a gate and a... And a what? It's a road. It's a path. And you have to go down the road if you want to get to the end. And some people are saying you don't have to. But let's just read the verse. Enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads over there to destruction. But, and many go that way, but small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life, eternal life, heaven. And only a few people find it. Do you know why? Because it's really easy to make the decision and it's really hard to walk the path. Now, you've never heard a truer thing said in this church. It's easy to make the decision. Why? Because that's just words. But walking the path, now that's work. Everybody's spiritual life begins with a two-part decision to go through the gate. We put our faith in Jesus as Lord and we decide to make him the Lord of our life. But everyone's spiritual journey requires obedience. That is, we actually have to walk down the path doing what Jesus tells us as the Lord of our life. Number three. Third basic concept I want us to get. Everyone's spiritual destiny, everyone's spiritual destiny is determined by the completion of the journey. Everyone's spiritual destiny is determined by the completion of the journey. 
Once before already, I quoted to you Luke chapter 6. Once before I did this. But let me jump back and let me pick up another verse. In John 3, let's go to John 3 first. In John 3, whoever believes in the Son has eternal life, but whoever does not obey the Son will not see life. If we don't obey Him, we don't walk down that road. We have to obey too. It's not just believe, we have to obey. In Luke 6, he said, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and don't do what I say? But he goes on. There's, there's more to that passage. He says, as for everyone who comes to me and hears my word and puts them into practice. We have to put it into practice. I will show you what they're like. They're like a man who built a house, who dug down deep and laid the foundation on the rock. You know this passage. When the flood came and the torrent struck, the house would not shake because it was well built. But the one who hears my word and does not put them onto practice is like a man who built a house on ground without a foundation. The moment the torrent struck that house, it collapsed. Why? Because they hadn't built it on obedience to Jesus Christ as Lord, which is foundational. And now, number three, I want us to get this, that everyone's spiritual destiny is determined by a completion of the journey. You have to walk the road all the way to the end. And it says it in the same book we're in, in Colossians. It says it in Colossians chapter 1. But now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight, without blemish and free from accusation. Yeah, Jesus Christ saved us by dying on the cross. But then he says this, if you continue in your faith, if you continue, if I take US 31, if I take US 31 to Traverse City, and I stop in Manistee, do I get to Traverse City? Do I? Well, of course not, because Manistee is before Traverse City. If I go up US 31 and I stop in Bear Lake, do I make it to Traverse City? No, of course not, because Bear Lake is before Traverse City. If you walk down the road following Jesus as Lord and somewhere along the road you get off, you say, nope, no more, I'm not following him anymore. Do you make it all the way to the end? That was a little weaker. If you go part that way down the path of following Jesus Christ as Lord and then you stop, do you get to the destination at the end of the path? No, no you do not. I want to make sure everybody understands it because I know there's people in this room, you made the decision and you started on the path and I'm saying to you this morning, stay on the path. Don't get off because if you get off, you don't get to the end and heaven's at the end. I want everyone to be crystal clear. I don't want any confusion. If you get off the path, you start on the path when you're 16 and you get off when you're 26, you don't get to the end. If you start on the path when you're 10 and you get off when you're 55, you don't get to the end. Everyone's spiritual life begins with a two-part decision and everyone's spiritual journey requires obedience and the completion of the journey determines the destination. Everyone's. Everyone's spiritual destiny is determined by the completion of of the journey. Now what's going on here this morning? What's going on in this room this morning? You know what some people think? Some people think this is 
a meeting of the Christian team this morning. The Christian team is gathered in the room and everybody here is on the Christian team. That is not true. What's happening here this morning is more like what happens at a JV basketball game. These are the stands during the JV game, before the varsity game. And the varsity players are sitting in the stands. That is, the team is in the stands. But not everybody in the stands is on the team. Are you with me? Not everybody in this room is on the Christian team. It just isn't true. I wish it were true, but it's not true. I want to be as clear as I can because I want to get us all on the same page for the rest of my series. There are people in this room and you like to hang with the team. You like to watch the team. You actually like the team. You follow the team. You go to team events. You travel with the team. You wear the team shirt. You visit with the team. You talk about the team. But you're not on the team. Some of you think the team's meeting here today and the team is playing. The team doesn't play here. The team plays during the week. This is not the team playing Christianity. That's not what's happening here. Christianity is played tomorrow at work. It's played this afternoon at home. It's not really played here. And you can like the team, hang with the team, talk about the team, follow the team, and never be on the team. You say, well, how would I know if I was on the team? If every day... You have to have made this decision. Got to get through the gate. Got to put our faith in Jesus Christ as Savior and decide to follow him in Lord. But then how are you on the team? You're actually, every day, day after day, making decisions to do what Jesus tells us to do. That's how you're on the team. You're on the team by obedience. And if you're not really obeying Jesus as Lord, you're not really on the team. Jeff Samuels came to this church. Some of you know who Jeff Samuels is. Jeff, put your hand up. He said, do you tell people you're going to do this? Lots of times I don't, but I actually did warn him. Why? Because he's mean. <laughs> Jeff, Jeff came to this church for a while, and he came to me one day after a church service. Because I said at the end of my sermon, hey, if you need to talk to somebody about making this decision, about getting your spiritual life going like it's supposed to be going, come talk to me. So he came and talked to me. And he said, Pastor McNeil, I, I believe in Jesus, and, and I've asked him to forgive my sins, but I feel like something's missing. And I said, I know why you feel this way. And I said, Jeff, come see me. So he set up a point. He came to see me, and I explained this to him, exactly what I explained to you this morning. And I said, Jeff, this, this getting a spiritual life, it's a two-part decision. You not only have to put your faith in Jesus as Savior and ask him to be your Savior, but you have to decide 
make a one-time, once-for-all decision that you're going to follow Jesus Christ as Lord of your life. And then you actually have to live it out. And that decision to follow Jesus Christ as Lord, that makes all the difference. And I said to him, have you ever done that? And he said, no. Now, here's the part I didn't tell Jeff I was going to do. Okay, Jeff, nice and loud so everybody in the room can hear you. When you made the decision to follow Jesus as Lord, did it change your life? A little louder. 100%. Brenda made the same decision and it changed her life. It changes your life when you make the second part of the decision and you actually follow Jesus down the road, obeying him day after day after day. This is what it means to have Jesus as Lord. And I invite you today to get on board. To the teens in the room, you actually have to make a decision to follow Jesus as Lord, and you have to do it day after day. And I challenge you, if you ask Jesus to save you, but you never made the commitment to make him Lord as your life, today's as good a day as any. I challenge everybody in the room, if you've never done this, if you've only done the first part and asked him to be Savior, then I challenge you, implore you, please, make the second part of the decision and then follow Jesus Christ down the path of obedience. And when you get to the end, you find yourself in heaven. But if you don't go through the gate and you don't go down the path and you don't go all the way down the path, all the way to the end, you don't get there. And I want to see us all there. So now, if you need to talk to somebody about this, you can come talk to me. Talk to Pastor Steve. You can talk to Pastor David or Pastor Paul. You can talk to Pastor Baker. Talk to somebody else in the room that you know and say, hey, I need to do this. Will you help me do it? But you can do it on your own in your seat right now. You can do it on your own at home today. You can just tell God. I'm a sinner and I want you to be my Savior. And you can say to God, I know Jesus is the supreme authority of all the world and I want him to be my Lord too. And I'm going to follow him from this day forward all the way to the end. I challenge you to do it. It's the only way. Everyone's spiritual life, everyone's spiritual life is similar. Let's stand together. Father, I pray that we won't play games with this but that we will make the whole decision and then we'll carry out the decision with your help by your grace in your power day after day father remind us you don't ask for perfection but you do ask for persistence for perseverance down the path and i ask that you will help us and father for someone in this room who really hasn't done it then i pray that you will move them to make this decision today. I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.